Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. I hope you've been celebrating this week the uh, 213th anniversary victory over the French. Battle of Trafalgar last Sunday. But um, it put me in mind of Nelson, obviously one of our foremost admirals. And the reason that the connection in the thinking is the concept of a hard act to follow. We all know about Nelson being a great leader, but I'm not sure who took over from him afterwards. Perhaps a better historian would know, but he's not as well known as Nelson. We can think of other people. If you're a football person, you'd know Alex Ferguson was a hard act to follow uh, at Manchester. If you're a film buff, you'd think Sean Connery was a hard act to follow in James Bond films. Whenever you have a high-profile leader and then they stop, what comes after seems like an anticlimax or uh, a difficulty. They don't get much higher profile than Paul in the, in the New Testament. He was a mega-missionary uh, and real... Uh, writer, evangelist, teacher, and everything else. And he was shortly having uh, a supper appointment with a lion. Um, let that sink in for a minute. He was the supper for the lion. Okay. He only had a few, what, days, weeks left. And he was hurryingly writing these letters we call them 1 and 2 Timothy in the Bible, but they were written to his young assistant, his young protege, his understudy, uh, Timothy, a young man who went uphill and down dale with Paul in all the various things, obviously second fiddle, if not third or fourth fiddle, but he himself proved himself reliable uh, when others fell away and couldn't stand the heat. Uh, Timothy was still there, so if a job had to be done and he gave it to Timothy, you know, it would be done. People like that are worth their weight uh, in gold. And the thing is, Paul is saying, over to you, mate. Youngster, how do you fill St. Paul's shoes? <laughs> you know, hard act to follow is an understatement for him. Look at the situation he was facing. We only read a fraction of it in that reading, but the church was in a very perilous state at this particular time. Obviously, Paul himself was in prison, about to be killed. Nearly all the other first-line apostles had gone or would soon go the same way. So here's Timothy, second generation, as it were, inheriting a mess. Total persecution all over the place, Christians fleeing from Jerusalem, fleeing from here and there. He was facing false teachers trying to twist what Paul had been so carefully preaching. There were dissensions within the church that he had to deal with. <clears throat> and the description Paul gives in just a few verses before uh, what Christine read about the state of society... Uh, doesn't fill you with great optimism. It might 
ring a few bells here. Let me just read this. Very, You'll get the gist anyway. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days, which is you know, not necessarily the end of the world, but in the days that Timothy was going to have to deal with. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. (sighs) Minister to that lot, Timothy. Minister to that lot, Timothy. We're talking now here about reliance. That's one of our values. I can see relevant and community, and I forgot what the other one is now, but uh, you can see it on the sheets down there. Reliance. Timothy didn't have a hope in a situation like this. Even Paul was being um, martyred any day then. So reliance was quite a, a, a live issue <laughs> for, for Timothy. He was afraid, not surprisingly. Afraid that he would fail, I think, more so than afraid that he would suffer, although that's not something to be relished. But Paul had spent two whole letters in the Bible, I mean, 19 pages, specifically aimed at this one person, Timothy. He'd invested in him by letting him see uh, and experience first-hand missionary work of various kinds. And he now was trying to give him instructions that would help him not just survive, but be successful. Rumour has it in the latter years, Timothy himself was martyred probably somewhere about 97 AD, about 33 years or so after receiving this letter. So he must have made a reasonable fist of it uh, to have lasted that long. And apparently he was martyred trying to oppose a pagan rally. And the crowd turned on him and that was that. But he'd obviously overcome his fear. He was still doing it on the day he died. So... He had taken these letters to uh, these words to heart. Paul says to him uh, just a little while back, God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Very key word there, a bit of a pun maybe, Tim. Short for timidity as well as short for Timothy. He didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Now, Timothy had learned a fair bit of self-discipline. Sometimes it gets translated as um, self-control, sometimes sound mind. You know, there are different ways of translating that particular Greek phrase. But he was a disciplined person, and you can see that from the fact that he grew up in what we would now call a Christian family. In those days, it was a godly family. Mother and grandmother brought him up. And then they were converted, he was converted, and he was thoroughly steeped in learning the Bible. What we would now call the Old Testament was what they had available to them to read. So 
if any of you have been, of course you all have been, reading Genesis as bidden since the last two or three weeks. I'm not going to ask you how many hands to go up. It might embarrass everybody. You can let your conscience prick you quietly um, that you meant to but didn't quite. But if we had been reading Genesis, which sort of thing Timothy was brought up on, he would have grown up on people who had great opposition and odds to, to cope with and how God turned up, rescued people from floods. He rescued, you know, the whole story there is God's work dealing with deeply fallen humanity. If you want exercises in sex education, reading Genesis might have been uh, uh, a bit of a... Uh, shock. You've got all the sex in the world there, mostly the wrong sort, but that was what he was dealing with and coming through. And all scripture, we've just read, all scripture is profitable to know the nature of the world and know the nature of fallen humanity and why God needed a rescue operation to save us. We totally will need saving because all that depravity that you see spelt out needs a remedy, which is where Jesus comes in, of course. And this is what Timothy had to try and teach in a pagan world um, that he was thrown into. Knowing the Bible is hugely important. Timothy knew that. He was being commissioned to be a teacher as well as a preacher. First letter is more about instructions on how to grow church leaders, how, what sort of format services might take, the importance of prayer and that sort of thing, how to train up deacons and leaders. So planning strategically, it sounds like the spirit of a sound mind was on him. Power, love, I guess he showed that as well. We, didn't, we don't know much about what Timothy did after this, we can only imagine, but we know God showed up, God helped him. He relied on the scriptures, he relied on the fact that God had anointed him for this task. Who God calls, he also equips. There's a lovely verse, uh, I don't think we'll get round to reading it, but as my memory serves, there was a hymn that was sung by those uh, Christian martyrs in, uh, <clears throat> in the Amazonian jungle some not that many years ago. We rest on thee, our shield and our defender. We go not forth alone against the foe. Strong in thy strength and in thy keeping tender, we rest on thee and in thy name we go. They were martyred some hours minutes later they sang that on the beach when they were about to be speared by the natives we rest on thee our shield and our defender we can't do anything but can we there's no hope in our strength of doing anything I've, I've used this little one before so you probably remember this uh, caused all manner of palpitations in the customs uh, in Uganda uh, in Tebby Airport when they thought this was a concealed weapon in my suitcase, but actually it's a tire nut wrench 
And I've asked you before what the lesson we can learn from this is. Try to change a wheel by hand. We're not strong enough, are we, to undo the nuts? Holy Spirit. Need, we can't do it in our own strength. We need God's help. And he provides that help through the Bible, through prayer, through one another as well. Timothy wasn't going to do this evangelism job single-handed. He was training up deacons and elders to share the ministry. That's another way we go forth together against whatever we're facing. This is a more obscure visual aid, one of the most bizarre. I could probably get more bizarre ones if God gives them to me later. Um, a bit of hosepipe. I, I hacked this in half accidentally the other day, and instead of swearing, or I might have thought of that, but I sort of reflected about a few hours later, can I turn this disaster into something good? Um, so I then said, well, God suggested to me, um, well, we're all hose pipes. We can point at the trouble if there's a fire, but you can't beat it out with a hose pipe. A hose pipe can't do anything. It's the water that goes through it that does the job. If you start putting this by your flowers and hope that they'll grow in a hot, in a hot summer, it doesn't actually work. It's the water that makes the, flower, the flowers grow and the grass and whatever. If you see somebody in pain, a piece of hose pipe's no use to anybody, but the water of life that God gives, the water of his love, his blessing, his healing, that can do all sorts. We were talking the other day with somebody about Grenfell Tower um, and the fact that the water didn't reach high enough up, even if they could have got there in time, but God's water pressure is more than adequate for any tower to quench any fire, be it forest fire or whatever, in a community, in our families. The hose pipe's no good, but the water is really powerful. It's God's Holy Spirit. It's a bit like the vine and the branches, isn't it? Where it's, the analogy is the sap bringing life. You know, the branch on its own can't get the job done, but it needs the water coming up. So hose pipes. Um, you think of yourself like that? If you see somebody in need, you can't meet that need, but you do need to point in the right direction. You need to engage, then turn the tap on. And the Holy Spirit of God can give whatever help is needed. Reliance. We can't do anything ourselves except be willing to be used. The responsibility is God's. Paul says in one place that I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, gave the fruit. The fruitfulness comes from God, not from Timothy or Paul or, uh, or Ron and Roe, um, who richly deserve their holiday. Altogether different ball game being a leader compared to one of the team. The leader has huge responsibility that they feel for the success of any enterprise. Timothy, obviously, was stepping into very big shoes. 
uh, and had great responsibility. It was all right following on behind, doing what Paul suggested, but to actually lead a whole church region, that's a big deal. <laughs> and you can't possibly do it on your own. But then the people we meet are a big deal. The children who don't share your faith, you know, the marriages that are teetering. There's lots of big deals going on out there, people in great sickness and sadness and sorrow. Bits of hosepipe are no good, but if you look and engage, and your prayer could be pumping the water through, isn't it? It's getting God's blessing into these situations, and that is what's effective. Reliance, not on ourselves, obviously. You can go down the old corny directions of the things that we normally rely on for things. And in everyday life, yes, you, if you need a walking stick to stop you falling over, it's perfectly fine. You don't need to be uh, expecting you know, a, a miracle of God when there's a walking stick to lean on. You don't need to expect him to give you money when you've got a pension. There's lots of ordinary things that we can rely on in an ordinary way. But to do anything spiritual, to do anything that's effective, we absolutely rely on God. You can preach all kinds of words, but what the reaction to them is, is down to God, working in your heart or people you're talking to heart. Our part is just to be willing to be pointed in that direction, to use the strength he has, and not to be uh, afraid. Think for a minute, things that you're afraid of at the moment, overwhelmed by, and just ask God in your heart to flow his water of life, his water of change, his blessing into the situation. Lord, we thank you that in many places we've seen gardens recover when water has come. And we just pray the water of your spirit to come into the parched areas of our lives where we're feeling dried up, emotionally drained, physically drained. Lord, we send, pray you send your living water to feed and nourish us. For those we know who are in conflict, in families, in countries, we pray that you'll send the water of your cooling to put out the flames and to bring peace to individuals, to communities, to countries. Father, we just pray the water of refreshing to flow out from this church to our community through the lunch, through the rest all the different outlet activities that we have. We pray for Val at the moment in BP uh, in a meeting with the 
Christians there, that you'll send your spirit even now as we're thinking of them. Pour your life and refreshment, encouragement, that there'll be growth and life and uh, a spreading of your gospel in that big company that will bless the people individually and the company as a whole. Bless them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about St Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.